Hey everyone, it's Michael here, and you're listening to the Goody Reader Radio Show. to the Goody Reader Radio Show. It is indeed Monday, February the 10th, 2014 here at GoodyReader.com. There's been a lot of news that's happened in the last week. Kobo and Sony have come to terms where all of Sony's customers in North America are going to be going to the Kobo store. This is in March. Uh, Adobe has flip-flopped and have said that it will indeed support older ebook formats they originally established in July as the cutoff date in which new books you know bookstores that sold new ebooks had to go to a higher form of encryption now they're saying that that's not the case and older e-readers will be supported perhaps one of the biggest pieces of news that has fallen under the radar is Canada instituting its own ebook terms with publishers. Following the court drama of the Department of Justice investigation of the five big six publishers, uh, attorneys have basically all lined up to lead their own class action lawsuits on behalf of customers who overpaid by millions of dollars. And this is all a part of the conspiracy to in- regulate the prices of ebooks with Apple and major publishers. All these publishers settled out of court in the U.S., but it was really only a matter of time before uh, other markets basically either took them to court or worked out agreements. Now, Canada has reached an agreement with Simon & Schuster, Macmillan, HarperCollins, and Hachette in terms of ebook pricing. So for the next two years, 
Canadians are going to see lower ebook prices. In the past, if Canadians shopped with the, the Apple iBook store, often titles would cost us about eighteen to nineteen dollars, whereas someone in the US would only pay twelve dollars to nine dollars. And this is all across the board with ebook prices. So they're not gonna come down overnight, but within the next few months you're gonna see a dramatic decrease in cost for digital books if you live in Canada. Other markets hopefully will soon to follow. I know the UK and Australia are pursuing similar courses of action that Canada just did here. So it's been a long time in coming. We've all heard about the Sony and Kobo ebook deal by now. If you haven't heard about it, let me just give you the rundown. Sony has saw cumulative decreases in their overall market share in Canada specifically for the last two or three years. It used to control close to 21% of the ebook market in 2011, and over the next few years it's plummeted. Sony now controls single digit figures in Canada. They've all but abandoned the US market with their new PRST 3 e-reader. Sony releases one e-reader a year. With their last e-reader they just basically said, you know, the US we can't make money there. It's it's a price war with the lowest priced e-readers often reigning supreme. Uh, Sony couldn't compete in price, so they just said, hey, you know, we'll just sell the e-reader in Canada, in the UK, Ireland, Western Europe, and Australia, and then continue to operate their own e-book store. Now, they've shuttered their North American e-book store, and they've said by about the end of March to about mid-March, all customers will be receiving information on how to move their library from Sony over to Kobo. So, Older models, I'm told, will receive firmware updates, so you'll actually be able to buy books in the Sony e-reader, but you'll be buying them from Kobo. Uh, Sony's line has uh, phones like their Xperia's with their tablets. They're going to be getting uh, the Kobo app on it, and as well as any new devices that Sony releases from their mobile division. We'll also have the Kobo app. If you live in North America, Sony did stress with us that they were going to continue to operate the ebook store in the UK and Western Europe. Uh, pretty well any market like Germany where the bookstore is operational, they said that this will not change for the foreseeable future. Hey, the Kobo deal may work out really well for Sony. Uh, we've heard that there are licensing fees involved, but we haven't heard the exact uh, specific figure from uh, Kobo, Sony, or any of the, the major players that are involved in the whole situation. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if it plays out. We know that there's a lot of incentives floating around there. You really only have to look at the newspaper industry to determine... It, you, we've all received calls. Renew your subscription. You'll get free this. You know, uh, we'll throw in movie tickets, or you know, you'll get like a coupon for the Seven Eleven or something like that. In the, in the UK, there's something actually kind of innovative happening. Spotify has actually made its first major media partnership uh, with the Sun Times and the Sunday Times. If you subscribe to a 12-month uh, subscription, you'll actually get a free Spotify premium subscription for free. So if you sign up for like a digital newspaper subscription, you'll actually get Spotify premium for free. And this is in the UK. I thought that this was kind of a cool, savvy uh, little move. It's more or less the first time a major mainstream company that has 
you know, traditionally Binabo Music has partnered with like print media as like an extra added incentive. Okay, so let's talk about Amazon. There's actually a few little bits of news uh, that I'd like to get involved with. So Kindle Worlds, we've talked about it before on the show. It's basically Amazon's fan fiction site. Uh, Russ Giardi, uh, who works at Amazon, uh, we we've met a number of times and you know he was ranting and raving last time we spoke about Kindle Worlds and how it's gonna change the game. Now the Vampire Diaries is a franchise that's been you know actually going on for a number of years. Uh, it may come to surprise to learn that the books were originally published more than 20 years ago but they've only really revived and been repackaged for a new audience uh, last three or four years and then there's the television show uh, that capitalized on the whole Suki Stackhouse uh, fame. So L.J. Smith was the author of the first uh, three books or sorry four books and she had already written the first fifth book in this series but the publisher actually cut her off saying that they're going to have a ghostwriter finish the series. So what's she doing? Well, she's publishing her fifth book with Kindle Worlds because Kindle Worlds has the franchise for the Vampire Diaries. So we've run into the first situation where an author has been, you know, kicked out of the book franchise that she started and then decided just to publish fan fiction of her own, of her own books. And so that would be like, you know... Um, you know, a lot of big time authors that aren't on Kindle Worlds, if you look at maybe J.K. Rowling, who wrote Harry Potter, imagine if she wrote, you know, the first three books, got fired from, you know, and had they go, they ghost written the rest, and then she decided to, you know, write for Kindle Worlds and continue where she left off. This is a very interesting circumstance, and it's the first time that something like this has actually ever happened. So people are responding, and, you know, there's. I think that her book has the top spot in Kindle Worlds right now. I'll have to double check to make sure, but this is what I'm hearing. Anyways, um, getting to another matter completely, Flappy Bird has been pulled from the Android and iOS uh, marketplace. Uh, hopefully this will save many broken phones, broken tablets. I've seen a lot of people throw their stuff into the wall to break it, and then they'll, you know, on Vine, they'll record more videos of them playing the game with a cumulatively degraded screen, small crack, then a big crack, and then half a chunk missing, and they're still playing it. So I guess the developer of Flappy Bird, he was making a cool 50 Gs a day on this app, and it had been going strong, I guess, for about the last two weeks or so. I mean, we've probably all heard of the Flappy Bird phenomenon by now. Uh, he pulled the app. He just couldn't deal with the fame. Uh, major media outlets asking him for interviews. You know, everyone talking about his game. And obviously drawing parallels that a lot of the assets that he's using in his game were stolen from Nintendo. More specifically, Mario Brothers. And so... Obviously, if he let the app go on more, uh, eventually Nintendo would probably come rat-tat-tapping on his door, asking for royalties, cease and desist letters. Hey, I mean, he maybe have got cease and desist letters already. He said he hadn't, but, 
you know, there's really no way that you're going to take the fifth top app on Apple, I, I, you know, the app marketplace and, and Google Play. Uh, he had the top spot if there wasn't extenuating factors. I mean, this guy had made a lot of games before. None of them really saw the critical success as Flappy Bird got. Who really knows the way that it all played out? But in, uh, you know, in retrospect, uh, you can't download new copies anymore, but you can download it through our own Goody Reader app store. So you can check that out at apps.goodyreader.com. I mentioned Amazon when we talked about the, the LJ Smith story. We're also seeing a number of public domain titles, again, removed by Amazon. Uh, for the most part, these are actually books that people had used Google Translate. Very interesting. So people are basically copying and pasting a book that maybe they got in Germany, putting it into English, calling it a translated work, and then posting it either for money, usually about 99 cents or so, and people are downloading the book and paying for it. So this is very interesting because the books were, were muddled. Um, you know, people were complaining about them uh, as being barely readable, let alone a quality translation. So this is another kind of get-rich-quick scheme, uh, mainly done by an individual named M. Angelo, and has done a number of works, uh, including The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Okay, so Facebook Paper has just been released, and this is kind of an app that I was, uh, you know, a little remiss in testing. A lot of the times, whatever Facebook updates their mobile app or makes sweeping design changes on the website that you would access on your web browser, they catch a lot of flack. It's like you can't do anything right without having half your population up in pitchforks and, you know, the other half either not caring or being really apathetic. So they've basically released Facebook paper and it's two pronged. It has a news feature and it has the Facebook equivalent of a 2014 update. If you ever heard of cards before, that's kind of their interface. Uh, cards are kind of like this new thing that a lot of smart TVs are doing, uh, a lot of apps are doing, where you'll have like cards, you'll touch on them, the card goes full screen. It's easier to have more things on the screen if you have them like in these little cards that appear. So you picture the screen, a whole bunch of cards that appear in the bottom. It's basically the equivalent of your Facebook friends' status updates, pictures that they posted, videos, uh, things like that. So you could, you know, touch on it, get the full story, swipe left and right, you know, check out your various status updates. Uh, it doesn't really have a, it, you know, it's basically back to roots for Facebook. Uh, this, you know, the whole Facebook has, you know, posting your status updates, um, accepting friend requests, and looking at other friends. So it doesn't really have, like, a lot of check-ins and a lot of, you know, of the Facebook features that they've slowly added over the years. It's basically pretty bare bones. Now, the second component is a news app. Facebook does something very interesting that a lot of other companies don't do, where they do a curated approach to news. So um, Facebook, in partnership with, like, their you know, sites that they are showcasing. So that's like CNET, The Verge, Ian Gadget, uh, Recode, and things like that. For the tech category, uh, they have like about 12 different categories now. They actually only had about eight at launch, but they've actually added a number, uh, like a bunch more. So you can get everything from like entertainment to like sports and things like that. And 
know, the stories change a few times a day, but instead of going for like a flipboard, a pulse type of approach where, you know, you could add sites that you like, you know, if uh, pulse by default and their inner default recommendation doesn't have like the websites that you want to read, you could add your own, no problem. Uh, with the Facebook paper, you can add your own links. It's 100% curated. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, Facebook Home was a big project by Facebook and they, it meant to change your whole smartphone experience. Whether paper takes off, who knows? I mean, it's a US only app right now and the bulk of Facebook's users are outside the US. So we posted a video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash goodyreader that actually walks you through step by step on how to install Facebook paper. If you live outside the US, it's actually pretty easy. I'm not going to regale you with the semantics and, you know, <laughs> repeat myself here, but that's uh, the way it's pretty well done right now. Finally, the last story of the week has to do with Apple and them implementing age like an age, like a keyword protection system in their iBookstore. It's going to apply to children's, teens, and educated titles uh, beginning in June of this year. It basically stems from a recent controversy uh, in Amazon, Kobo, and other markets where you'll have people that will be writing about hardcore erotica, but because their keywords have to do with like daddy and daddy's little girl and things like that, it often appeared in the kids section. Uh, kids and parents thought, you know, if you shop in the kids section, should be things like the Bearstein Bears and maybe the Hardy Boys and, you know, uh, my little pony and, and, and things like that but no they were getting hardcore erotica served to them uh, the whole world had reported on this so apple's going to be, be able to uh, mandate to the publishers that hey if you're doing stuff with like children's teens or educational titles you have to put an age requirement on the book so the hunger games would probably likely have a different age rating to say a book on cellular biology or on math or phonics and such so this should be very interesting and it'll also help adults because um, say as an adult that you're a fantasy lover or you know you read the Hunger Games you really like it and now it's time to find something new having age ratings on the books will also help adults find more books to read more content because you know if you if you see a book that hey that looks interesting it looks like a different cover hey it's kind of like the Hunger Games but it's not oh it's written for 13 year olds I don't know if I want to buy this book um, so this might be an interesting way it might help ebook discovery a little bit more because you know for the most part a lot of the people that are buying YA fiction are adults so and as kids you may have you know if you have kids you might not want them reading Fifty Shades of Grey it's at the top of the fiction you know the likelihood that they'll see it and then they might want to check that out you know you don't want your 10 year old daughter maybe reading that you maybe want them to say okay you know if it's 16 and under, you could read it. If it's like 16 to 18 or, you know, adult, you know, you maybe don't want to read it. So this is very cool. The actual logistics of the titles and, and the program aren't really known yet, but Apple did announce that they were going to be doing this. So as they do it, we'll film a quick tutorial and show you kind of how the bookstore's changing and how this affects uh it's parents with kids or even from your whole ebook experience. So you've listened to a very short edition of the 
Goody Reader Radio Show. Uh, Digital Book World's own Jeremy Greenfield is not on the show today. Uh, he'll be back with us in a few weeks. And um, we are going to be talking with editor of Goody Reader, Mercy Pilkington, this Thursday. Where we'll get caught up in the week of indie authors, self publishing, uh, ebooks, and as well as a lot of the big news stories that have happened in the last week. Finally, just to give you guys some in-house announcements, uh, the Goody Reader App Store is doing really well. We have uh, close to about uh, just over 100,000 apps right now, and we are focusing more on Android these days uh, rather than BlackBerry, mainly because all BlackBerry 10 phones got a firmware update so you could actually load in your own Android files uh, right on the phone's web browser so you could install our own Goody Reader App Store by visiting our website and clicking on download the client in the top navigation bar and then you can install our app market on your BlackBerry phone and download apps to your heart's content as well as if you have an Android phone, tablet and uh, whatnot, you can also install our app store. I get notified whenever new apps come out, I easily discover new apps. I, I'm really proud of the way that our client has really come along uh, in the last few years. We've got a fairly phenomenal home screen. Uh, with featured images, all of our apps now have uh, you know images and screenshots of the app. I know we're adding videos really soon, uh, so any app that might have like a video trailer or something like that to go along with it, uh, we'll be adding that as well. So you can uh, check that out. So again, my name is Michael. You've been listening to the Goody Reader Radio Show, and everybody take care. <laughs>